Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by author Brianna Morgan to talk about books that read like found footage. So Brianna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am excited you're here. This has been a topic I've been wanting to do. I think both of us are big fans of the genre. Yes, yes. (laughs) In film and literature. I feel like it's a a genre people go either way about, but I'm a big defender. Yeah, I think people either love it or hate it. There's no real middle ground. Mm -hmm. What are some of your favorites? Uh, Film-wise, I'm going to say um, As Above, So Below, which by itself is a divisive film. A lot of people who like found footage hate that film. So I don't know what that's about. Um, I like The Taking of Deborah Logan. Oh my gosh. I like Wreck. I like, um, there's this Japanese film called Noroi. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. It's on Shudder. Those are my top. Yeah, I... Another one that was divisive. I really liked Paranormal Activity. Listen, I don't know if it's because like I was raised, I was raised religious. And like when I watched it, I was like in the midst of that. So it was like more terrifying. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I liked it too. And I showed it to my partner and he was like, this isn't good. And I'm like, what? It's, what are you talking about? (laughs) I wonder if you need that. You need like that little bit of religious like guilt to enjoy, to like really be scared by it. I really like Creep, but it is like, such an uncomfortable viewing experience that I'm like, it's not something I just want to watch for the fun of it. Yeah, I've seen it twice. And I every time I mean, the second time I watched it, I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this again. Like, why do I do this to myself? Lake Bungo is good if you want to cry, if you just want to be sad. That's the only reason it's not one of my favorites is because it's so sad. Yes. Oh, host. Oh, God, host is so good. Yeah, I I also, I feel like I went into Host with really low expectations, like, and I was like, this is really good. They have some really good, like, genuine jump scares. They did. Um, I feel like, well, they, I feel like the characterization was really good. I feel like it's only a little over an hour. It's a very short movie. And we get a good sense of who everyone is and the modern touches. Like, I mean, the filter thing was terrifying it made me never want to use a filter again so good anyway i was gonna say what do you think works about this type of storytelling so found footage i think you know people hate it because some people hate it because they think you know film can only be art and it has to be polished and all of this but i think what appeals to people and what appeals to me about found footage is the fact that it feels real because Real life is messy. And when people tell stories, they're kind of all over the place and things are skewed from their perspective and whatnot. It's more, it feels more true to life. I would agree with that. Um, I've also seen people complain that it's like gimmicky, low budget. And I don't know, gimmicky has never been a turnoff for me (laughs) when it comes to media of any kind. I do not write things off because they are too gimmicky. But you're right, it does feel especially okay like the first three paranormal activity movies is like the history of this family at different points and it very much like i never for a second doubt that i am watching footage of this thing happening to this family i don't think about this being a set at all i am fully bought in fully fully bought into this but i was thinking there is a few ways found footage looks in books yes 
Because I was going to say, one of them I think the one people think the most is straight epistolary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Dracula and all mm-hmm. of those. Yeah, like fa- like documents, you're reading transcripts. Um, I think another one is books that are in documentary style or about documentary. Right, yeah. And then the other one that I've seen that I'm including, these are basically like the three that I'm including is what I'm outlining. Uh, the last one is books that are about a piece of found footage. Like the books themselves are not written in epistolary. They're written, you know, straightforward, but they are essentially about a piece of found footage kind of metafiction in a way yes are yours like that um mine are more found documents and like journal entries more epistolary but house of leaves is kind of a little bit of both because it's got the excerpts but then it also has you know they talk about the books about the house and things like that so it's very it's very self-referential. I didn't mention House of Leaves in my top three because everybody always goes to that one. I, I figure everybody's heard of that one. <laughs> That's the thing with these. I kept going back and forth. So I have included books I've talked about before, but I felt like just needed to be mentioned in this episode. I also went back and forth on House of Leaves because there's so many layers to that too. It's the footnotes. And then the other one is like the thing where it's a writing about a piece of found footage but it's this academic dissertation breakdown of this right documentary piece of found footage i guess (laughs) i even thought about potentially including head full of ghosts by paul tremblay because you know it's got the the blog feature and it's got you know it talks about the tv show that they're filming and stuff but i wasn't sure if that was enough to put it in the category or not i think it would be i also went back and forth because the documentary one I thought about Fantastic Land by Mike Bakovin. Yeah, yeah. Because that is a documentary about an event. And another one that would have been along those lines would have been Wildling Hall by Elizabeth Hand. It's, I like to call it a spooky Daisy Jones and the Six. It came out way before Daisy Jones and the Six, but it is, but it I is. I like that. It's like one of those documentaries about this like band in the 70s. And so you're getting each member telling their story, but it was about one summer where they stayed in this abandoned manor and recorded an album and something happened. And so they're talking about this like iconic album art that they made and like what was going on. So you're getting to like, which of these people are they talking to? Like, is everyone here? Like, can I trust what everyone's saying? Like, certain people's memories contradict what other people remember. It's a lot more of, like, a ghost story. Is it laid out like Daisy Jones? Is it, like, a screenplay script format, or is it just... It's been a while. I want to say it is. Okay. But no promises. I do not. It's been a while. That's the thing. Well, like, on TikTok, too, I get so many very specific questions. Like, today, someone asked me about a book I read five years ago. Like, Uh-oh. what are your thoughts on this? Uh-oh. I don't remember what I thought about it. That was a very long time ago. You do get some really specific, like, requests for recommendations, I've noticed. Yeah. People will be like, horror featuring a cat, and you'll be like, uh, okay. Someone asked me for, like, supernatural horror in the woods, like, they said, in the vein of the Reddit story where the stairs, like, the half staircases in the woods. I'm like, oh. all right, well, I need to brainstorm for that. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not just woods. It's like supernatural woods with a creepypasta flair. Well, you just released a book recently. I did. I did. I'm still alive somehow. 
<laughs> making it past release month. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about Mouthful of Ashes. So Mouthful of Ashes is the best way I have to describe it is it's my love letter to the Lost Boys and to the kind of 80s nostalgic feeling horror, especially vampire horror, because that's what I grew up on. That's what I grew up loving. And um, it features a cast of, I think they're all, I think they're all queer. I'm not entirely sure. You think I would remember that, but you know, uh, it's got a lot of queer representation. There's, um, there's grief, there's loss, there's uh, flawed characters just making a mess of their lives. It's kind of, it's kind of all over, all over the place. I love it. So it's a vampire story. Love it. Okay. And then, yeah, you, so you said the Lost Boys. I know the cover art is very carnival-themed. Yes, it takes place on a boardwalk, mostly. Nice. Okay. Oh, I'll have to check that out. That's exciting, though. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's my seventh, which doesn't feel real. That is wild. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. So should we talk about some books? We should talk about books. So my first pick is one I've definitely mentioned before, but I felt like it needed a spot in this episode. And that is The Last Days of Jack Sparks by Jason Arnott. Essentially, you are reading a posthumous account. Jack Sparks was a journalist. He's been researching the occult for his new book. And like right at the beginning of the book, he triggers this giant Twitter storm because he's at the Vatican witnessing an exorcism and is like shitposting about it on Twitter, essentially. Um, And as he's leaving... There's a 40 second video that gets uploaded to his YouTube channel, like his personal YouTube channel, and he can't explain what it is or where it came from. Like there's no record of him being hacked. And so like, something's going on. And so you go into this knowing that Jack Sparks is dead. Like whatever he was looking into, he is dead. You are reading his like posthumous account of what happened. I really like it. So you get, it's mostly from Jack Sparks perspective but you get you know from his like notes from his publisher or like his brother here and there i will say the number one criticism i get from this book is that jack sparks is unlikable and he is a internet provocateur he is a self-described like not good person like he is not good to the people in his life he is a so you're talking about earlier he's a flawed 
character. He's not a good person. I don't think anyone in this book is making the case that he is a good person. But I don't know, that criticism always like, <laughs> like, that is the idea. So he's terrible. I don't know if that really bothers you. Maybe this isn't for you. Um, but I don't know. I really liked it. I honestly would put this in the freezer. This was a book I read at night when I worked um, like overnights. And I was like, really scared. <laughs> like the way certain scenes were described. I was like, oh gosh, I don't think I can walk back to my car right now. I need to just sit here and wait a minute. And I don't know. I just thought this was He's a very interesting narrator. You know, there's some possession stuff going on. And I really liked his voice. You know, he's obviously extremely sarcastic. And he's like looking into all this occult stuff and seeing all these like exorcisms and stuff firsthand. And is like, uh, that this is why that's not actually true. But maybe it is. I don't know. Um, it was just really fun. I had so much fun reading this book. And that is why I am talking about it yet again. So that is the last days of Jason Arnott. Well, that is the last days of Jack Sparks by Jason Arnott. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who's dying? The author is done. He can no longer release any more works. So my first pick is, um, I feel like I'm cheating because I'm doing two picks by the same author, but they're, they're different books. So uh, my first pick is World War Z by Max Brooks. And it is about um, a world in which there are zombies. There has been a zombie outbreak. Uh, it was adapted into a film, but I think the book is a lot better, not just because it's a book, but because it is found footage and the, you know, the, the movie's not really at all. <laughs> so in the book, it, it tells a lot of, you know, how people have adapted in the face of this outbreak and things they're trying to do to just keep on living in this different world. And it, it's told through, it's told through journal entries. So it, it falls more in the epistolary category. That's what I've been meaning to read. And so many people have said it's a really good audiobook too. It's got a full cast narration thing going on, which I'm always a sucker for. Oh, but you're right. The movie isn't even close to anything found footage. We are just following Brad Pitt. It's very strange. And Brad Pitt doesn't even look, I mean, of course, he doesn't even look like the the main guy in the book. So it's like, why, why did we even do this? Because it's Brad Pitt. Because that's it's why. Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a really good book. I haven't read it. I mean, it's been, I read it when it came out and I haven't looked at it since. So it has been a while, but I remember really liking that one. And I'm typically not a zombie person. So that, I feel like that lends some credit to it. It does, because I am also in the not a big zombie person camp, but a lot of people have recommended it to me. I own it. It's on my shelf. It is one I always, like, say I'm going to read. So this yeah. is another, another tally in the you need to read this. Yeah, book. I highly recommend it. I, I've been wanting to reread it because I read Devolution, which I'm also going to be talking about. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe I should revisit World War Z. Oh, what is the scariness rating on that? So... Zombies don't really do it for me, but there's something about end of the world stories that really get to me just in general. Like it doesn't matter if it's post-apocalypse after a storm or a zombie attack or what, it always just like creeps me out. So I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put the book in the freezer, but I would maybe like not read it right at bedtime. <laughs> that was World War Z by Max Brooks. 
The next book I'm talking about is a YA book. It is The Dead House by Don Kurtigich. And I'm going to read the synopsis because as I was telling Brianna earlier, it's been a long time since I read this book. <laughs> so I remember a bit from it. But I think like accurately describing it, I'm not fully confident in that ability. So here's the Goodreads synopsis so that I don't mess anything up. It's 25 years ago, Elmbridge High burns down. Three people were killed and one pupil, Carly Johnson, disappeared. Now, a diary has been found in the ruins of the school. The diary belongs to Caitlin Johnson, Carly's identical twin sister. But Carly didn't have a twin. Reopened police records, psychiatric reports, transcripts of video footage, and fragments of a diary reveal a web of deceit and intrigue, violence and murder, raising a lot more questions than it answers. Who was Caitlin and why did she only appear at night? Did she really exist, or was she a figment of a disturbed mind? What were the illicit rituals taking place at school? And just what did happen at Elmbridge in the events leading up to the Johnson? So this is another one that's written in a found footage format. So with Jack Sparks, we get long stretches where it's his writing, he, you know, explaining what is happening from his point of view. This is a lot more where we're getting, you know, here is this audio this record of a psychiatric visit here is this police report here is this this is a lot more put together in that way also this was a really good audiobook for that reason there was a really high production value there was you know multiple narrators and for like police interrogations you get the audio of like people coming in and out and sitting down and <laughs> setting coffee down like it's very well done um i remember really really liking this and this is one that I thought of immediately when we were talking about found footage I'm like this is I think one of the ones that I've read that is the closest I would say to the experience of watching a found footage movie in the way that it's laid out and told and in a way that is effective so from what I remember I did remember it was a fridge book for me like between room temperature and Fridge. Um, but I really liked it. I really enjoyed Don Kurtigich as an author. I've definitely read a few books by her and I've always been pretty impressed. <laughs> so that is The Dead House by Don Kurtigich. It's really good. I'm trying to think of the other ones like and the the trees crept in and then I haven't read her her newest like duology I want to say. Yeah. Does she just write YA? From, From what, what I've seen. seen. I mean I don't have a problem with that. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, isn't the Livingston Girls YA? Yeah. yeah. So my next one is also by Max Brooks. It is Devolution. And it's kind of a similar idea as World War Z, except it's not zombies. It's these people living in an intentional community. I don't want to say commune, but it's an intentional community. And um, they start having some weird issues with they're seeing things in the woods, um, foods disappearing, Windows are ending up broken and things like that. And uh, there's rumors that there's something out in the woods, um, something that's like a Bigfoot situation. It's not quite that simple. There's a little more <laughs> nuance to it, but like that's as much that's as much as I can say without spoiling toward the end. Um, and you get at the beginning of it before you get into the journal entries. There's like a a typed like report, basically summarizing like. You know, this was found at the scene. Um, none of these people survived. This is all we have. Just good luck, basically. So it's um, 
it's pretty it's pretty good it got to me a lot more than the zombie one just because yeah things in the woods I don't I don't know and the way it was describing uh, some of the scenes I was just like I I don't know so this one this one's a freezer book for me I also read it very late at night um (laughs) and I would have to like I'd read it and then I would turn back to like a nonfiction book right before bed so I had like a little like a little padding in there so I wouldn't just go to sleep right afterwards. So I've read this one and I really liked it. And I will say a really good audiobook. It's got the multiple narrators and the main character, like the one whose journal entries we're reading is voiced by Judy Greer. Oh, that's perfect. I thought this was scary because the, what did you call it? Intentional community is supposed to be this like row of houses that are all like self-sustaining like they're like solar powered like they're you know really out in the middle of nowhere and essentially it's like this really high-tech really expensive off-the-grid community and i don't know all i think all the time that goes into describing how these were built and all these things that are there for safety and protection and i think when shit hits the fan and it starts like those things mean nothing. That's what gets me. I like to be prepared for things. And I think having things that are, I don't know, things that like we put there to keep us safe go wrong is like what gets me. Like, But I had the thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think with this one too, it's, you know, it feels a lot more isolated. I would say than mm-hmm. World War Z does because World War Z, they're going into cities and whatnot. And this is just this one little community and they're cut off pretty much from everyone else. So it's like when shit starts going south, you really feel that sense of like claustrophobia and, you know, this is it. Yes. Yeah. The scale was totally different because World War Z is the world and this is here is these five houses. Um, And then I also really liked the suburban drama. Yes. I I always love that. It's like, uh, it felt like a domestic thriller in some parts. And that's, I really like domestic thrillers. So I appreciated that. Yeah. So that was, that was a really good one. I second that one. Yeah. So that's Devolution by Max Brooks. All right. Well, my final pick is a book that came out recently. It's Scan Lines by Todd Kiesling. And I will say trigger warning for suicide, like big giant So this book is about the Bud Dwyer video, but, you know, it's a fictionalized version. So it is, in this case, in 1987, Congressman Benjamin Hardy III died by suicide on live television amidst accusations of political corruption. Years later, rumors of a recording surface among VHS trading groups and urban legend chat rooms, dubbed the Duncan Tape after the deceased cameraman who attempted to sell the video. Rumors allege that anyone who watches the tape is driven to suicide. Or so the story goes. In truth, no one has seen the supposed tape, presumably because it doesn't exist. It's a ghost story perpetuated on forums and chat rooms. For Robbie and his friends, an urban legend is the last thing on our mind when a boring Friday night presents a chance to download porn. But the short clip they watch turns out to be something much more graphic and disturbing. And in the coming days, they'll learn even the most outlandish urban legends possess a shred of truth. Have you read this one? Yeah, I have. I... (laughs) This one, it's funny. I remember, I remember 
exactly what I was doing when I read this. It was one of those books I was eating. And I remember like I was about halfway through and I just like put the food to the side and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't eat while reading this. And then I finished it and I still didn't eat because I was, I was just, ugh. it's so good, but it's so gross and just really uncomfortable. It is gross. And it is also really sad. I think if you like melancholy, I even hesitate to call this a coming of age story, but it is a coming of age story. I would say something tonally similar to like the Rust Maidens. In a yeah, way. it's more loss of innocence than coming yes. of age. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Ugh. Oh. It's it's rough. It's a hard read. Um, it's not something you read and then you just go about your day like nothing happened. It's definitely something that's like, you know, you read it and you sit and you think about it and you feel it for the rest of the day. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you're following this friend group and this essential, like, the ring type curse is being passed around. It is not written in an epistolary style. Like, it's written, you know, a very straightforward. We're following a first person narrator and they go back and forth talking about, you know, in the 80s when they found this video, what happened and fast forwarding to now and what his day to day looks like now and how this tape has affected his life, how it has affected all his friends' lives. And it is a really short book. Like I read this in one day. I was not expecting to read it that fast, but it is just like one of those types of stories. So yeah, this is definitely gory. Like I know I'm really emphasizing the sad, like it is very sad, but it is also, as we were saying earlier, gross. I would say the, the curse that this tape brings and you know you get attached to these characters and then when things happen to them you're like oh no yeah that's a lot i would say fridge but maybe honestly sadness rating i would say freezer it made me really sad (laughs) yeah i feel like i mean it it did scare me in a way but it was like more existential dread scary um so you know not quite a freezer book for me but it just not not a great time. Not a great time in general. If you like books that are short, interesting reads about urban legends that are a bit on the dark side and that are, I mean, in this case, it feels real because Todd Kiesling, like in the back, talks about how this is like actually happened. Like he and his friends were downloading porn on the internet and you like didn't know what you would get back then. And, you know, they watched the Bud Dwyer suicide and it was like, oh, what did we just watch? And so, you know, this book came from that and so that's why it feels so real and earnest um but i really really liked it that was scan lines by todd kiesling oh man now i'm like i'm thinking about it and it's making me sad <laughs> the rest our energy the rest of this episode is gonna be like so what's your what have you been enjoying in horror? it's gonna be really really low so my third book is into the drowning deep by mira grant this one is kind of hard for me to talk about just because it a lot of it inspired what I'm working on right now. And it's I, I'm at the point where like, I don't know where it crosses over exactly. But it's, um, it's about this documentary crew who went in and filmed these mermaids. Um, and they are not they are not like the little mermaid mermaids. They're evil, terrible mermaids. Like they will kill you. And it, ah, uh, God, that it, I listened to the audiobook, and it's a very good audiobook. But I listened to it while I was driving, and I remember thinking, you know, if I wasn't in a car right now, I think I would be screaming. 
because it was just the writing style. It's so atmospheric and so like heavy. I was talking about this on a previous episode. I can't keep track of who it was, but um, I was saying it does have one of my favorite tropes, which is like skeptical scientists. Yes. Yes. All together. And then there's like one character and as soon as they are introduced and they say what they are going to do, you know, you're like, no, no, this is not going to end well for you, honey. No. Um, and and the next it's scene pretty comes. Gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross, too. Yeah. Well, especially like if people, you know, go out, being in the water is so terrifying to me. I think well, underwater and in space things I think are terrifying because it's the idea that like this this is not about a submarine. This is me talking about something else. <laughs> but I think the idea that like this ship has is the only thing that has air and like these walls are the only thing that are keeping you from not dying. Mm-hmm. And you don't outside. really know what's out there. Yes. It's it's so much. I love this book. This is like one of my favorite horror books ever. It's it's so good. I I mean, I love it. I heard that there was going to be a film adaptation, but I don't know if that's actually happening. Um, it could just be a rumor because I can't even tell you where I heard it. I feel like I heard it on like TikTok, which, you know. You know what? Now that you're saying something, I think I did hear that there was talk of it being like a sci-fi, sci-fi channel movie. Yeah. Well, it also has the prequel. So like this book is going back to where the like the prequel is about a documentary crew that goes out looking for mermaids and they all disappear and so this is like years later they're going out to figure out what happened essentially uh, but both are really good i i am wear- wary of it getting turned into a movie just because i fear they wouldn't do the found footage thing and it i don't know it just wouldn't feel the same yeah also there is like the mermaids are such a big part of it and I creature design I think is something that is very make or break in movies and I think it's most effective when you hardly see them or it's like a tiny reveal at the end I think is when they're most effective yeah that that wouldn't work for this one because they're so central Mm -hmm. yeah they're a big part of it and that's it's a lot of money it's a lot of money to go to yeah, a lot of CGI and, you know, <laughs> blending things. So maybe in my, like, big budget wish list, this comes to screen, but it would be very hard to do. But yeah, love it. Don't want to be a downer. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. Uh, such a good one. Yeah, I I love stories that are told in this format. Mm-hmm. Or that night film is another one. That's about a director. I have that one on my shelf. I haven't read it. That's very hit or miss. Like I have very close friends of mine that absolutely despise it. Um, but I really liked it, and it it has the House of Leaves mixed media thing where there's like Wikipedia pages and like pictures and all this stuff. And I think it's just interesting because it's about this enigmatic director who has this cult following and there's just like weird showings of his movies and random tunnels and you just like have to know and it's like a fun little fun little culture yeah i like that i might bump that one up on my list i think it's a fun one um so that has been 
found footage horror books. So something I like to ask everyone that comes on the show is for a chilling obsession or something that they've been enjoying in horror recently. So I feel, I mean, I feel like a lot of people would say this one right now, but um, Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. I'm only on maybe the third episode, but I love Mike Flanagan. I love everything he does. I loved Haunting of Hill House. So I'm very excited to get into it and see how, like I said, I haven't finished it. So I don't know if it all wraps up well, but I am hoping that it does or that I at least have fun along the way, if nothing else. <laughs> you will have feelings. Um and you are in for a lot because I think a lot drops in the next two episodes for you. Probably. I thought it was longer. It's only like seven episodes. Yeah. Which means it's got to be coming in hard and fast soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked it. I also love Mike Flanagan. I think Haunting of Hill House is still my top because adult sibling stories are just like... It was so my good. Favorite thing the ever. family, the family yeah. tension. Yeah, I didn't um, finish Bly Manor, so I feel kind of bad. But I was like, I feel like it's just gonna be sad, so I just skipped it. The rest of it, I watched about half. Meg Flanagan shows are a little, a little on the sad side. Just a little bit, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I finished that I think a few days ago. But I think when you have like, especially coming into it with a religious background, there's a lot. I think it just, I read, I think I read an article where he was talking about growing up Catholic and putting a lot of that into this. And I'm like, yeah, all of us with religious trauma are watching this and having feelings. Yeah. I was trying to explain it to my partner because he didn't grow up religious and I very much grew up religious. And I'm like, this just, I don't know. It just, it'll hit you differently if you have been through this. Like I grew up, it was Protestant. I wasn't Catholic, but it's still like, I'm like, oh, I, I know these people. I know these people. Just so funny because growing up, I had a few friends who had secular upbringings and it was such a foreign concept to me. Like I could not wrap my head around it. I'm like, like, what yeah. do you do? You don't, do you just start eating? You don't say grace? What do you do on Sunday? Like, what do you, you just sleep in on a Sunday? But yeah, I'm really enjoying that. And it is, it is available on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. Another thing we like to ask our guests on the show is for a final girl song. So we have a Spotify playlist going where every guest has contributed a song. So Brianna, what is your final girl anthem? Mine would be Good Girls by Churches. Okay. What are the vibes? It's like, uh, fuck the patriarchy situation yeah you're just like yeah yeah it's like when you know the montage when the girl's like cutting her hair and you know all that (laughs) i love that i do love like listening to the playlist and i'm like oh yeah this is like she's arming herself like she's stumbled across a garden shed and you just see like close-ups of her like grabbing garden shears (laughs) getting ready love it and there's a really good lyric from that song like i've i've talked about getting tattooed on me before and it's um i cut my teeth on weaker men Oh, I love it's that. It's so good. It's so good. But yeah, that's that's my final girl song. Nice. Well, I will be adding that to the playlist. And well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. This is an episode I've been wanting to do forever. So I'm so glad you were able to come on and talk to me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Where can people find you online? I'm everywhere. I am on 
TikTok as Brianna Morgan Books, Twitter as Brie Morgan Books, and Instagram as Brianna Morgan Books. My books are available on Amazon, and my author website is BriannaMorganBooks.com. You're everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> All in the places. So yeah, be sure to check out A Mouthful of Ashes. We will put that in the show notes along with all of the books that were mentioned and thank you again for coming on and talking to me thank you books in the freezer is a bi-weekly podcast we post episodes every other tuesday you can find us on twitter at books freezer pod on instagram at- and i'm on tiktok at books in the freezer you can send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com If you would like to support the show, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter. There is a one, three, and a five dollar level with all kinds of perks from like early episode releases to like private chats and movie nights. I actually just kind of started doing movie nights again and we watched Haunt on Shudder. It was a ton of fun. I like to watch that for October. I mean, it's only been out for like two years, but I think that's going to be a lasting Halloween tradition. It's a good one. If you haven't checked it out and you have Shutter, definitely recommend it. Another way to support the show is to use the Amazon link that is in the show notes. You click that, it's just going to take you right to Amazon and you just do your normal Amazon shopping that you would normally do and then part of that goes to the podcast. So a fun thing someone purchased using the link this week is a Blu-ray collection of the Despicable Me trilogy. This is Illumination Presents all three Despicable Me movies, and I love that. Now, if you're wondering if there's a way to support the podcast that does not include spending any money, I'm going to let you know there absolutely is. Honestly, for any podcast that you listen to, word of mouth, posting about it on social media, and leaving reviews is huge. And when you take the time to do that, I promise you, it has made that podcaster's day. So again, thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that from the bottom of my heart, for real. Thank you. I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And I'm on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's. So thank you for listening and see you next time on books in the freezer.